Welcome to Sci-Fi. I am your host, Jesse Mercury. It's been a couple weeks since I had a show come out. Uh, I was hanging out with my mom. My mom came up to town and we did a lot of fun things. We went to see Batman v Superman and Deadpool in the theaters. Uh, and then we watched a bunch of nerdy stuff at home. I, we watched Walking Dead, which I'd never seen before. Watched the first two episodes of that. And it like was life-shatteringly, mind-blowingly awesome. And we watched some Doctor Who. I made a Doctor Who fan of my mom and also just kind of realized how fucking much I've come to love that show. I finished uh, Series 2 and started Series 3 with my mom. And, oh my god, it was incredible. Uh, ugh, I'll have to talk about that on a different episode because this is... This is not the time or the place. On this episode, I am bringing to you my conversation with Douglas Gale and Ryan Casey from Radio LARP. Radio LARP is a sci-fi-based podcast, which is actually uh, live-action radio plays, and they're all science fiction in nature. They have three different storylines that they've done so far, but we'll hear all about that in this episode and in next week's episode, because this is a two-parter. We drank a bottle and a half of whiskey together, so this was definitely... Um, it gets uh, weird. <laughs> it gets weird towards the end, but you'll hear more most of that next week. I have to say a couple of thank yous before we get to the conversation. My two new patrons, Evan and Jeff, thank you so much for signing up on Patreon. And a very special thank you to Emily, who uh, left a sizable donation through PayPal this week, or last week, or the week before. I don't know. I've lost track of the space-time continuum. But uh, all these contributions are so exciting to me because I'm going to be funneling them right back into my next music video. And I just met with a met with a costume designer today, so we're making some awesome costumes for my new synth band to wear, not just for the video, but also on stage when we start performing very soon. Uh, I've been playing with Naomi Adele Smith and Chris Berrios, and they're just fucking amazing people to be playing music with. We're having so much fun together. We rehearse on Sundays. It's very quickly becoming my favorite day of the week. And I'm just so excited to start playing shows with them. One of our first shows is actually going to be my sister's wedding down in Portland in July. And I haven't, I haven't started booking anything else yet because we're still learning songs. But uh, we started playing Traveler within the last two weeks. We started playing Relativity. And we've been playing Cosmic Child, uh, Elliot. Um, what are my songs called? Time Child. What's the other? Uh, I don't remember. Songs. Songs from the sci-fi album. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Can't wait. We, I made a little video of our rehearsal the other day. Um, Johnny Unicorn was practicing with the camera since he's going to be shooting the music video coming up soon. And I cut a little bit of it together so y'all could see what's, what's happening in rehearsal. You can find that at uh, jessemercury.com. Okay, let's get into the conversation. This is a long one, two-parter. Uh, we talked for a little bit over three hours, and it just gets better and better as we go along. And I'm so grateful to have both of these amazing guys come on the show. You can hear them also on my other podcast, Sci-Fi on Trial. Uh, Ryan is a regular panel member on the show, and Doug was a featured interview on the Indiana Jones trial. And if you haven't heard that yet, oh my God, it's fucking rad. It's so much fun, and I love it. And uh, of course I love it. And I, you know... I host it, and I'm incredibly self-obsessed. So here we go. Bringing us into the conversation, I have the theme music for you from Flight Space 7, my favorite storyline from Radio LARP. I hope you enjoy. All right, let's do it. We got it dialed in. I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about science fiction. In general? I think so. Okay. Yeah, we'll figure it out as okay. we go along. It'll be fine. It's one of those things, Doug. Yeah, figure it out as you go. We'll yeah. just drink whiskey, so no and then stuff will happen, and then I'll release it, and then 
very few people will listen to it. We'll Not even any of us. <laughs> yeah. you, uh, you will, but I will. Uh, I, I might. I probably will. <laughs> well, I, what I really want to talk about is Radio LARP. Uh, I want to talk about Flight Space Seven. Doug, he when was, I was doing the yeah. the voiceover for the last Sci-Fi on Trial, I mm. I had to delete several takes because I called you Douglas Jones. <laughs> I was like Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, <laughs> and a Jones. special interview from Douglas Jones. That'd be fine. I said it like so many times, and I didn't even notice that I was saying it. Yeah, well, that's because you yourself use a fictional last name, so it's, I do. It's a, it's a thing that becomes confusing for you. Yeah, the fluidity of names now is something that you've embraced fully. And people think that my real name is Jordy LaForge because that's my name on Facebook. <laughs> that's like unbelievable. There's so many people that I've met that I see them again. Like, hey, hey, Jordy, and I'm like, nope, okay. I don't I, know if I should be distressed by that and how unquestioning people are, or I should just be excited that there are enough people who think we live in a world where you know someone whose birth name is Jordy LaForge. Yeah. <laughs> Or I, I think we should be distressed yeah. that not enough people have watched The Next Generation. <laughs> or Fair. it's not that unrealistic to think that someone in this day and age has legally changed sure. their name to Jordy LaForge. It's yeah. not a bad idea. Yeah. You, know? you, you could just I mean, do that. I, I don't do think that. it's cheap, but I don't think it's... I did file for the the trademark for Jesse yeah. Mercury. Nice. That's like in yeah. process. I had friends that changed their name to... Uh, robot something something robot like oh i think it might have been robot monster or monster robot and then the other friend changed their name to legally changed their name to the diabolical dr claw <laughs> you could just do that they thought it'd be funny to have a driver's license that said the diabolical dr claw if you could change your name what would you change it to mm, douglas gale if i would change my name now i would try to find something obnoxious to do with it mm-hmm. um, yeah there's a great joke uh web comic joke that uh, the the essence of the joke is that the parents name their child uh with uh what you would call sequel injection code so there's a single quote and then select star afterwards uh the idea being that this particular string if entered into a database would uh, allow you to hack into the database Huh. So do you know what I mean? It's no. basically, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All systems are flawed, and all systems have within them the means to destroy the system. Yes. Uh, so you, if you can give yourself a name that actually is damaging to the system, that's pleasing to me. Crazy. So what's a what's like a practical application of that? Mm. Of, of what you're saying about how all systems have the means to destroy themselves in the system are you ta- i mean it sounds like you're talking about the plot of the matrix revolution <laughs> maybe it's a it's it's a concept it's a mathematical concept that i barely understand because i i have the uh, the equivalent of a high school education and uh, most of my memories live in what i call the gray mist of time yeah and i read a book uh godel escher bach and that goes into math and set theory and how uh, any kind of system has that. Any kind of logical system is, is an imperfect system. Like I said, I barely understand it. I, I, I know bits and pieces about it. And yeah. I know that it, a basic example is like if you have a programming language, there's a way to write code that will break, you know, the virus. Yeah. Like one of those. Or a back, I mean, like, the, I think like the classic virus when the viruses first came around was the one that like starts up something running. But then the end of the running is to start it again. Mm-hmm. So it just can't stop. And then right. the computer will just never stop running this one thing, and then it's fucked. Yeah, and actually, this book, Godel Escherbach, goes into that in a little bit, because he refers to things that are called strange loops. Loops that uh, run forever, and then loops that have, like, descending and ascending. So, the Godel Escherbach is combining art, music, and math together. So, so what 
Are you saying that just by by having a programming language that can program a virus into itself, that is the means for its own destruction? Uh, I wouldn't want to answer that question because, like I said, I really don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's really interesting, though. I mean, it's... so okay, let's back up a second. Yeah. The idea would be, oh, what do you want to give yourself as a name? What if I knew enough about the Facebook system to know that this following character is considered invalid and won't be allowed into that system? So to legally make your name that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that so I got you now. Yeah. Facebook has decided we're going to accept text. So there's probably a set of text that does something negative to its system. Yeah. Or you could name yourself the diabolical Dr. Claw. <laughs> and then anytime you were filling out a form where they give you only a certain amount of boxes to write in your name. <laughs> yes. It'll never fit. <laughs> don't exist. <laughs> Thus destroying the system. Print, I think <laughs> or the grid a, or something. A, a good example of that, giving yourself a name that basically is like, okay, you deal with this now. Yeah. You know, it? the rest of the world, the symbol. It's like, oh, Prince. He, he named yeah. himself a symbol that I, I don't even know if he told people this is how you pronounce it. It's just like, this pictograph is my name now. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. then sort of a combination of a onk and the sort of male yeah uh, yeah it's a big fuck you to everyone else i love it it's yeah it's beautiful it's i to me it's one of the best things i think i've seen in my lifetime because (laughs) because here's what happened so he does that he changes his name to this symbol and then people just go uh the artist formerly known as prince right and then it mutated to people just calling him the artist yes (laughs) how fucking cool is that yeah like if if you're in a conversation and somebody says the artist and oh, you know who they're you know who about. it is yeah yeah well you know why he did all that for legal reasons right to get out of his record contract yeah, so there you go he oh, changed he recently, a thing that broke the system because yeah, he was That's he awesome. wanted out of his warner brothers contract i didn't know that which he actually just like recently re-signed and made a new deal so, so that's so why he's he actually, back to being prince he went back to Prince after he got, well, a long time ago. Right. After they released him from the contract, gotcha. he went back to Prince immediately. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but then he's been in negotiations for like a decade or something, and now he has his like back catalog and can like be released. Yeah. Prince is such a great albums. name. Like, Ugh. it's one of those things where you wouldn't think of it, but it's so simple. Yeah. Like, what would you call yourself as an artist? Yeah, it's just perfect. And then when you're done with that, you switch it to a symbol. Yeah, a magical symbol that broke a legal contract. Yeah, (laughs) and he lives in in Minneapolis, and he just stayed in Minneapolis. Yeah, he just lives in Minneapolis. That's his home. That's crazy. Little purple man. Little purple man. (laughs) Little purple rain. Uh, I want to see a sci-fi movie where it's just Prince flying through the galaxy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be so oh, cool. Prince sci-fi movie would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's like the like the sequel to Captain EO is just it's not Michael Jackson, it's Prince. Yeah. No, it was really good. <laughs> I did watch recently Free Jack where they let uh-huh. Mick Jagger be like a villain yeah. in it and it's a terrible movie, but he's quite good. Did they uh, did that come before or after the Tom Selleck and uh Gene Simmons uh Runaway movie? What? You haven't seen Runaway? No. Ooh. I've never even heard of that. I That's don't so know. good. It's like a near future cop movie. And oh, then, you cool. know, Gene Simmons plays like the bad guy. Uh, the, I don't remember. Maybe Gene Simmons invents it, but he, he might be like a weapons designer. Uh, I know less about this than I know about Go to Leisurebach. <laughs> the one thing that I remember is that in it are bullets that can go around corners. Mm, That's like a good one. It's pretty tight. Yeah. And oh, and there's robots. There's like little remote control robots that can kill people. That's pretty sweet too. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, did you guys see that thing on Facebook? They like, you know how they built a robot that looked like uh, was it Philip K. Dick? I think. 
Um, they built this new robot that looks like this woman. Let's choose an unpleasant-looking sci-fi writer to make a robot like No, him. but he made... Or was it Arthur C. Clarke? Who was no. it that they made the robot out of? Well, if they made it out of Philip Dick, that's... Because he wrote a lot of books about right. people who yeah. might have been androids but didn't know right, it. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get it. There's symbolism there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one of my, my favorite book of his is the one where they, they build a robot of Abraham Lincoln. And then what? I haven't read he, that. He quickly just becomes sort of the lawyer for their company. <laughs> like, like it's, it, it's not, the main plot is not about the Abraham Lincoln. What is that book called? It's called We Can Build You. I actually wrote 70 pages of screen Dude. adaptation for it. Really? Before I gave up. Oh, oh my God. God. I don't know where it is. We should pick that up if you're interested. Man, I, I wish I'd I could. i willing to lend you a hand on that. I wish I could find it. It's we'll actually over. fantastic. That sounds amazing. We really could start over. Yeah, we could. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> There's a lot that. of really snappy dialogue. It's basically about two salesmen, one of which, uh, one of the guys is... The main character is in love with his partner's uh, young daughter, yeah. who's an adult of adult age, but uh, young and a daughter. And, yeah. Uh, also, uh, uh, very cruel, kind of cruel to him. But and it's also about like uh, uh, sort of mental illness and uh, and I was uh, just going to ask, what's the mental illness? Because every what's yeah, the mental illness? And so in in the world, there's a there was an act where there's sort of state run mental hospitals, ah, and there perfect. are cer- there are certain tests that they give to everyone so that if they find a sort of mental aberration, yeah, 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 yeah. you're like state, you go to like a state hospital. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's very, uh, another, uh, I don't even know if he has a book like and, this, but yeah. very Philip K. Dick is like, let's find out what people's mental illnesses are and then give them jobs based on that. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and she hit the woman he's in love with has a lot of mental uh, problems. Yeah. And so he starts kind of having a mental breakdown, but then it's almost like, is he just doing it because he wants to like, he's in love yeah, with yeah, her yeah, yeah, and yeah. is like, like wants to understand yeah oh, they, yeah it's really uh, it's really quite good he's great I love I mean, yeah he's, he's crazy but well uh, he got weirder and weirder i mean because he like kind of lost his mind a little bit yeah right? the beam of pink light what's that are you not familiar with that uh-uh. yeah. uh at some point in his life uh he believed that a beam of pink light from the future transferred information into his head yeah. awesome. and then he started writing about that and then he started writing about it in coded ways for a while and then I think it's uh, the Ubik or the Volus. Yeah, I haven't uh, read those. Yeah, yeah but one I read of Ubik. So the last one in that trilogy, I think, is where he basically goes, "All right, I'm done pretending. This is what happened." Basically, yeah. okay. My it's, favorite book of his is Counter Clock World. Has anyone read that? No, no one. I don't know. At this, at a certain point in the future, time stops going forward and starts going backwards. Uh, so yes. people get younger and younger, and then they're conceived, and then their life is over. <laughs> so, like one of the big things that happens in the book is there's this religious figure who died on this certain date, and they're going backwards, so they know that he's going to come back. Right. It would basically be like you know Muhammad coming right. back to life. Uh, <laughs> but it was it was really interesting and uh, just like yeah. the idea of. Like, I like that they did that in a episode of uh, a really good episode of Red Dwarf. They ooh. go they go to a planet and and uh, oh, I remember that they, uh, see a sign for Nod and all and and don't realize that it's just London backwards and, <laughs> it's a hole. and they're uh, yeah uh, uh, Crichton and uh, uh, who's the hologram guy Rimmer yeah they uh, <laughs> they have an act where they just do things. You know, but they're moving forward, so they're like called the backward twins. So oh, they're just right, right. like they're just like eating an egg, and yeah. they're like, "Oh, it's a hard, he's right. eating a hard boiled egg." Like you could recite the alphabet forward, yeah. So they're easily. They're, in they're like, head. "We like it here, everyone's." Yeah, 
but they're also yeah they talk about like they're like well you know pretty soon world war, world war ii is coming up and it's a beautiful thing like millions of people spring to life so. <laughs> stuff Dude, like that it's just i fucking of... love that show did oh, you guys watch the latest season season 10 i think i've seen or all of it yeah i think and I, there's a new one coming out like in a year or so i've only seen i think maybe two or three episodes oh really yeah total uh, yeah, yeah. it seems like Listers. something you would really like well see this is an interesting transition into what you wanted to talk about yeah. is that uh flight space 7 creatively i think uh was influenced a lot by red dwarf uh through yeah. ryan because that's yeah. a thing that he really uh latched definitely onto. latched onto totally the blister is one of my favorite uh, tv characters of all times i think I feel like the first couple seasons are the best of Red Dwarf. Well, yeah, but it's the rest are fun. No, the, it's all, <laughs> no I mean I love it. They all. are, but they are admittedly yeah. yes. The when first it's just like Rimmer and Lister that way, like yeah. Rimmer and Lister just like I really in their like bunk in, talking in to their each bunk other, and like and that's it. Space roommates. Uh, I really that's the best. That's well, like, that's I love yeah, it. The love show it so that much. I wanted to make for a, a while was was essentially that. It was uh, yeah. an idea of someone. Uh, I kind of wanted to do like a that like uh, faster than light travel was mm-hmm. uh sort of ubiquitous and 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 mm-hmm. not expensive mm-hmm. and so there was essentially a, a land boom in the way that there would have been when the americas were discovered mm-hmm. except well yes and there probably are indigenous people that were pushing off planets but essentially uh, the idea of it was like if you want to start a colony on a planet do you just go right, ahead right, and right, do right. it yeah. <laughs> and uh, at the time i was living in a yoga commune uh weirdly enough that i thought of this and i only did for i lived there for like a year how long ago was this uh eight years eight really or, eight or nine years ago wow and where was this yoga commune uh the poconos <laughs> in pennsylvania <laughs> Uh, wow. One of the more made-up sounding. You have things. a much more sordid history yeah. than I. You know where? <laughs> you expected. ever seen Wet Hot American Summer? Yeah, uh, that's where they filmed it. Where this in, this commune was the same town essentially. How do you end up living in a yoga commune? Uh, also, <laughs> what is a yoga commune? <laughs> like, does everyone just live? Some people in a call hut it an ashram. Yeah, not a hut. <laughs> <laughs> you get your own hut. Like, it's like an old. I think it used to be like a seminary school at one point in the, the '60s. These this yoga, this Swami Swami Rama bought it. It's the, called the Himalayan Institute, and it, wow, it's been around for the '60s. And he was like a real, like actual like '60s guru figure. Right, right. And, and I think it used to be. Like a very kind of maybe more more serious sort yeah. of ashram, but you things, hit it, things have lightened past up. Past the glory days, yeah, he's has didn't passed away. Uh, you know, l- was done with his body in the <laughs> in, toward, in the end, late of the nineties, <laughs> and so he's 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 like rocking the astral this plane. This thing is old and creaky, and I'm gonna yeah. I'm, he I'm was done with it. He was just like and just kind of you know left it, just sighed yeah, out into the cosmos, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, so how did you end up living there? <laughs> uh, well, my dad, dad, my father, <laughs> uh, my father, and uh, and my stepmother. Uh, ran a yoga studio that yeah. was like back when no one ran a yoga studio. They were like the only yoga studio in Richmond, Virginia when they opened up and now there's like 
200 or something like that you know because people like yoga (laughs) but it was good uh, for your body good for your mind it was where they went to you know they do teacher training stuff they do it's like people they do seminars you go and you live there for a month and you take a bunch of yoga classes or people come up there Hmm. from new york's like two hours away that people come up for to learn to learn how to breathe and meditate and be, I mean, it actually sounds kind of awesome it's like yeah. a benign cult about yoga it's a pretty benign yoga cult right some health benefits yeah huh. good community well i never went away to college or anything and i never went away to summer camp so for me it was just kind of fun yeah. to like like hang out with a bunch of people <laughs> so the, so the idea was then to have a planet that was like yeah, the yoga get, community planet. Well, that, yes. Yeah, sorry. I've gone a real deep tangent. Oh, no, I don't um, mind. It's not my show. But no. Yeah. I, <laughs> I live and breathe real deep tangents. Uh, yeah, at the time, it was sort of a, it was a very interesting, it was a very, you're kind of in, the, in a small town in the middle of nowhere, you know, with a bunch of people who like yoga, <laughs> and people would come and go kind of as they as they pleased. But you would see these people every day, at least like while they were there. So like friendships and relationships were like very intense. Yeah. And I thought and it, and claustrophobic in a way that reminded me of like being stuck like in a starship, mm-hmm. especially in the winter time, because there was just this big building mm. that we're all would like play ping pong in this big room. <laughs> and it reminded me of kind of being on a ship, and I, you know I'd already seen Red Dwarf and stuff like that. So I was like, oh yeah, like. What would it be like to be just a guy who's like, I'm going to go live in this colony on this planet and just kind of be there. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of stuff from that made it into Flight Space 7. I, I really so. wanted to be, I wanted it to be very sort of like, even if there were big, like sort of science fiction events that happened, you were never there for that. You were like, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. something big just happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And I, I think now we're going to go. At the margins. Yeah. We, That's now what we're, I like. But it was going to be like, because I just worked in the kitchen there, so it was going to be like, just guys that had to like, <laughs> and it's like Red Dwarf. They were just, yeah, they were essentially janitors yeah. who ended up being the only people left alive <laughs> right. on the ship. Uh, or only one of them was left alive. So, yeah. So, the germ of this idea happens eight years ago. When did you two meet? Just doing comedy. Yeah. I think, you know, I moved here about three years ago. I moved you, should should do stand moved up. you, moved you shortly after you got here. <laughs> you, I met you shortly after you got here. Yeah, it was outside of Jai Tai one night. Yeah, and so we knew each other. I mean, we didn't work together on stuff until we started yeah. doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. And that was what, like a year and a half ago? Yeah, yeah. We were sort of, I don't want to say thrown together, but it it felt like that. You know, it was like an we arranged were doing another marriage of sorts. Show at Scratch Deli, and so you were doing Tiny Baby stuff mm-hmm. already. Yeah. And they wanted to do another show, and Albert wanted to. I had, I wanted to do a show there, and Albert wanted to do share the show there. We both wanted to do a sci-fi show, mm-hmm. and so I was like, Albert, can I help do your sci-fi show with you, Albert Kirshner, our yeah. our dear departed friend, who's mm-hmm. who just, moved away, so he's, he's basically dead. He's rest in, in New York City, so R I N Y, yeah, uh, rest in. <laughs> Rest, Rest in, in Queens. <laughs> Rest in Queens. Or Brooklyn. R-I-Q. <laughs> Albert Kirshner, R.I.Q. R-I-Q. 2015. Um, um, yeah. 
And so we did. We wanted to do... I don't know if he also wanted to do a sort of Star Trek spoof, but... (laughs) Albert? (laughs) Albert had a name and was ready for anything. That's right. It was the name. He just had Flight Space 7 in his head. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, that was his starting point. But that's what I love about Albert. He was just like, let's go from there. I like this name, Flight Space 7. We're doing a sci-fi thing. So he said it had been floating around his head for for a while. Yeah. And he may... You know, it's, it's a shame he's not here. He may have more uh, about the story of where that came from or what that meant well let's let's describe the show let Mm -hmm. let let me try to describe the show as an outsider (laughs) yep and then i'll fix the. and then you fix everything i get wrong so the first time i saw you guys was i saw your very first show Mm -hmm. i saw all of the live action ones yeah a lot of people came to that first show it was very yeah yeah when you first started it was like a live action like half hour Mm -hmm. comedy half hour Mm -hmm. yeah we would yeah Long, long try form to memorize sketch. our lines. Yeah, long form sketch, short form. Yeah, play. it was we, like I mean, because Tiny Baby was kind of like a a sitcom, like a live sitcom. Yeah, you can and, find past episodes of Tiny Baby Talk Show on YouTube. <laughs> yes, yeah. and then I f- like you guys kind of did like a live right space adventure mm-hmm. sitcom. Well, yep. it made us feel like oh, that's a fun thing. It's a fun yeah. format. It works. We was all in the same mm-hmm. at the same space, and uh, it and seemed he, it was dynamic. And uh, yeah, yeah. he was looking, I think, specifically for a show that fit that same format of right. a scripted. Mm-hmm. Uh, half hour ish comedy show to yeah. be there on Saturday nights. So. Ian being the owner of Scratch. Ian being yeah. yeah, yeah. Ian. Ian. Um, when I first heard you guys are doing this, my first thought was, "That's a fucking great idea," and I'm really <laughs> jealous <laughs> <laughs> because, like, I'm you know, I'm you know, like a lifelong Star Trek. Yeah, nerd. yeah. And like seeing my friends do something that was like a Star, like a Star Trek type environment, I was like, yeah. "That's fucking awesome." Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then it was all cardboard props. Yeah. It was super lo-fi. We had a lot of discussion about that, about what kind of the aesthetic was going to be of the show. Right, yeah. And then we we sort of settled. I think, Ryan, if I can remember correctly, you were the one that was the biggest proponent of it's got to be low-rent low, low rent, uh, cardboard props. Just make it... I liked... Yeah, I knew it would be... Because Albert and I wanted to, like, spray paint things silver. You know, yeah, we did the that. spray painting yeah. thing. I liked <laughs> the idea of everything being card just right. cardboard oh, color or that, made out of cardboard a better everything. choice 100 oh, absolutely yeah. ryan was uh, correct on that one the it best piece was the was albert meticulously made a very star trek shaped phaser yes <laughs> uh with you know black tape as sort of the trim so it was, to hold it, it together it yeah. really popped like a like a like yeah. a sort of uh what do you what do you call that when it looks like a cartoon cell like, yeah like, with the black outline yeah. it just cardboard colored yeah <laughs> It's, it's really, iconic. I mean, it's it, really this good. thing is like, it's like the platonic ideal of a handheld phaser. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. But just made out of, uh, you know what it is for me? It's totally, it's Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. And his yeah, like yeah, yeah, transmogrifier yeah. where he would just take a box and be like, it's a spaceship if it's turned this way. Right. And it's a transmogrifier if I turn it upside down yeah. and <laughs> underneath it yeah. or whatever. <laughs> or it was like asking, a time machine and a, and a transmogrifier. Yeah. You're asking something. the audience to take a leap with you right away, and they all yeah. happily do. Yeah, suspension of disbelief. So silly. Yeah. I yeah. mean, n- no one is expecting uh, sound effects and a huge uh, budget for props and all that kind of stuff. But speaking of sound effects, you yeah. did something I'd never seen before, which I love, where before the show mm. starts, you explain to the yes. audience, That's like right, when I say yeah. energize, you all make a transport. Porter noise. We Let's try make, it. And yeah. then everyone goes, bloop, 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 bloop. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I feel like that was one of my ideas because I had a few ideas for how to do sound. And for whatever reason, that super appealed to me. It um, was one of the things that made me uh, not want to when we transitioned yeah, to the radio play format um, from the live shows. I was yeah. like, God, just the having the audience yep. do. I still thought about that. Like, could we 
find a way to get, get that to work. In. I it, still think we could. Yeah. I, I really oh, don't. Absolutely. I, I don't see why not. I yeah. mean, I, I like uh, I like the way we do stuff now where we make some digital effects. Yeah. And one of my thoughts was to, a way to recapture that is right now. I do a lot of the post-production and the, the pre-production on the sound effects. OK, yeah. at, at the moment, yeah, at the moment, I'm doing all of it. But <laughs> that may or may not always be the case. Uh, I can learn that. It's dude. fine. Yes. I actually I enjoy it because there's like you can you keep you can telling do- you keep telling me that there's no reason for me to learn to do it because you're already doing it oh yeah i just uh but i could learn and i should right and I would like to. <laughs> the post-production we- sound effects are here waiting for you okay. anytime this, anytime we schedule it and this sit has down. been an adorable interlude <laughs> you know we're still working on it i like doing the sound effects uh, w- how you can do almost jokes within jokes with the sound effects. Mm-hmm. So in Flight Space 7, uh, whenever we had uh, phasers powering up, which is a great way to do like an intimidation thing. Like, you need to do this thing. I'm not going to do that thing. Yes. Power fit. Okay, I'm going to do that thing. So the sound effect <laughs> I used, the, the sound effect I used was the proton packs from Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. Nice. So that yeah. to me is like, it's a tie. It's like a, like we do verbal references. Like Ryan is great at the thing that I call word salad of taking references from various TV shows and movies and kind of mixing them together and chopping them up and turning them into dialogue that contextually makes sense for the scene, mm. but also has these references to these other pieces of culture. So uh, I, I try to do that also with the sound effects. I yeah, there's like uh, we do in our Red Sun, we do a superhero storyline for a few episodes. And uh, I was talking today about the the transition is uh, <laughs> it is just uh, the one from Super Friends mm-hmm. and, 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 and the one yeah. from uh, the 60s Batman show. Yeah. yeah. Those are just played simultaneously. I just overlaid Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> and it sounds like a it sounds like a regular one right. because, because it sounds familiar. It's just but two it's, of them happen to get once. But That's it's just cool. garbled yeah. enough that you're like, was that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And I love that. That's my favorite yeah. thing. So Anyway, so one of the things I thought about to sort of recapture almost that cardboard aesthetic would be if we recorded sound effects uh, with our voices and then... You've done some of those. I did yeah. it a little bit. Like, Wizzles is... The Wizzles. Yeah, but just like recording us and then tweaking it afterwards could be yeah. a, potentially a way well, to... Well, it's... Yeah, it's more of a... You're right. It's an aste- it's an aesthetic yeah. sort of... Yeah. Or it's a like, sort of mentality. It's just a homemade mentality yeah. that's not like not unique to us or no. well, are you but still I, doing yeah, the audience yeah. or are you still having the audience do like the phaser noises no they no, just they're w- what i love about so yeah. we jumped ahead a little bit this used to be a live play acted thing and it's now become uh a, just a straight up radio play but um, yeah like a, a radio play performed live yeah i was catching yeah. your audience up yeah. right we, yeah, i don't think we yeah we we're kind of talking about it. i know we're jumping around that's my fault i get so excited about the radio play i like yeah. the live acted thing but jesus that was a pain in the nuts it was so. just, well let's let's yeah. go back and let's talk let's talk our way there because sure. uh, yeah, yeah. i love the live one i, I loved do it too. so much if somebody is willing to uh pay me to just be me uh you could <laughs> you you could get those every month baby yeah <laughs> yeah ones, so, like, fresh the, ones. the premise of the show is basically um ryan your what's your captain's name Captain uh, Hank Howell. Hank Howell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you were, Doug, uh, you were the engineer. Yeah. A, a, in that live one, I was Nikolai Murdoch. That's right. You were yeah. Nikolai And then you Murdoch. became Murhawk. Murhawk. The, in, in the, in the reboot, alien. I'm an alien. Yeah. We made you when you don't alien. have to make costumes, you can just do whatever you yeah. want. So, so you guys are basically the most hapless crew in existence, flying through space. You get orders to go do things and yeah. you... 
invariably fuck it up. Yeah. You're always stoned. You're always drunk. Yeah. That's and kind of the thing. Nepotism yeah. is a strong factor in why Howell has a starship at all, because <laughs> his mother is an admiral. the admiral. Yeah. Yeah. Our word is... Uh, in, in the world of that, the, the, the we have a we have a federation, as much like Star Trek, uh, but... Uh, I think it's like the fleet is what I think of it. Yeah, it's we call it fleet, and it's divided into um, at least for now two fleets: uh, <laughs> the red and blue fleet. <laughs> and so the red fleet is sort of the military wing of the fleet, and the uh-huh. blue fleet is uh, the stoners, no. the scientists, the, the, ah. the, 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 yeah, the the, yeah. Like the, the the TNGs, the the command officer, and the yes, officer. the sort of oh. classic. De- you know, Think of this. Okay, so if you've watched the the Enterprise, the 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 final and maybe the and you know I have. second to yeah, last so worst of the Star Treks. Um, <laughs> I've now I've changed it. Season four of that one redeems that show in a huge way. I yeah, um, Enterprise is yeah. great. Yeah, but Enterprise it, is great. Okay. it is the second to worst, yeah. but. Not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. Just because it's being Ooh. outshined by great shows. Oof. It was. Yeah. It was. It's twenty five percent good. It's you know they the. Anyways, I would give it so, a 60. Oh, sixty. Maybe seven. I was just going by season one sucks. Season two sucks. Season three is mediocre. Season, <laughs> season four three is, is fucking amazing. Awesome. Uh, season okay. three is so good. And season four is so good. And there's great episodes in season one and two. But, I'm I'm up to seventy five. <laughs> oh man. So now uh, in the fleet universe, uh-huh. uh, to me the uh, imagine if from Enterprise uh, the Makos said, yeah. you know what, fuck the Federation, fuck this. We're just going to go get starships and put weapons on them and go take care of business. And then the Enterprise Federation was like, eh, we're still going to do this. Uh-huh. And so that's kind of the division to me. So they started from one sort of fleet and then kind of split into separate ideals. And we've yeah. never addressed it. But in my mind, there's still a tenuous agreement behind them. Like w- one way we described it was that Red Fleet goes out forward and is just like colonizing and decimating worlds. Right. Uh-huh. And then Blue Fleet is coming behind them going, sorry, we've got like uh-huh. medical stuff. And, and like, kind of rebuilding. Our civilization is kind like, of brutal sorry and awful. About what they did, but, uh, but we, look at we all the blue fleets here to help. That's right. cool because <laughs> like, if you're going to do something like against the other fleet, then you are entering into a civil war. So yeah. it seems like there's maybe like this kind of like the tensions there nebulous in truce where it's kind of like an unspoken. Well, we don't want to kill yeah. each other, so we're just going to allow they're you just to do what you want. Well, to do. in my mind, they're, they're both needed. I mean, like blue fleet, the ideals are great, but if you didn't have military might there's going to be the borg or somebody's going to come and yeah. kick the shit out of you and if red fleet just literally destroyed everything and did nothing to try to help people or to try and uh uh, uh do things <laughs> to for the dicks other- of the galaxy yeah, yeah. so it's kind of like it's a yin and a yang yeah yeah and also i will say this utopia is hella boring so yeah. you need a story that has bad people in it you know yeah i feel like star trek's the only thing that's ever written utopia well where it wasn't boring yeah but they themselves like early star trek avoided too much of having themselves have flaws the flaws were all outside in the world and i myself i like that but i i much prefer like everything's flawed not Mm. not like we represent a perfect ideal you know so deep space nine is your favorite star trek what is my favorite is my Star fa- Trek? It is my favorite Star Trek, I think. No, you know, original series might be my love favorite it. Star Trek. Interesting. Yeah, because I just love that hokey-ass aesthetic, and it's, you know, I don't know. I might be liking it, though, almost like it's like campy science fiction in a way. Yeah. Just like Batman. <laughs> the Batman TV series is wonderful, but boy, is that weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like Deep Space Nine. That's I like yeah, uh, such a good show. I like the promenade. I like the Quark. promenade. Promenade. <laughs> promenade and yeah. Quark and the Odos. Yeah, and then the, <laughs> the Odos. Doesn't that doesn't that the one that has like the shapeshifter wars and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, the, yeah, the changelings, the yeah. Dominion War. Oh, I don't think I watched uh, all of that. So good. 
So my my standout memory of the live action show and you, how many did you guys do? Like three. I keep saying live action. We, show. It's a it's a it's a play. You know, it's like yeah, a, it was like a short. It was like a long sketch or a short. Yeah, play. it's a performance. <laughs> live action show implies that I watched this on television. I saw yeah. it for realsies. I feel oh, yeah. like we yeah. performed four. And then we have a fifth lost episode we lost that we episode. that we re- we wrote, we rehearsed it, and then didn't Went perform it. Recast it, rehearsed it again with oh, a new I cast. Remember that, and then never. I was going to be in that, performed. and then I got cancer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then pff, everyone had an excuse, Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, uh, yeah. I still want to. That was the poop that, tubes. The poop tubes is what ruined that one. The poop tubes. What are the poop tubes? That was when the the we had a, there was a plumbing problem in. So it, that's why good. our show was canceled. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Like the, the night they the open mic on a Friday, somebody decided to take a dumper. Oh, and I then, remember that. Yeah. Crazy. So, well, okay. My standout, my standout memory. This is honestly like one of my favorite things that I've ever seen in a live performance was your guys' show. Oh, uh, the, the last episode that you did where there was like the space triangle. Yes. That was, yeah, the that space sucked triangle. Albert into another dimension where he was getting super old with this woman and then he like came back and nope, then... you're combining two separate episodes. Yeah, oh, am I? Yeah, you are. Ones. Two separate episodes. <laughs> Which is the one where Carl, the last thing was Carl floating through space. That's that was the triangle. The triangle. Yeah. Okay, that's the... Space triangle. Yeah. Albert, so I love Albert does get stuck in a planet through a time vortex. But, but that's that a different was, episode. That was, yeah, that was the one where I was trying to make fun of the... Uh, Queen Amidala in her handmaiden, like, oh, you can't tell which one's which. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we had this. That was the Queen of Space. Queen of Space. I yeah, loved space. that one too. Oh yeah, and Bettina yeah. was the Queen of Space, right? Or yeah. was she? Or was uh, she? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the one, so yeah, so the one, the last one was the Space Triangle, right? That was the last one we. Produced. That was four. Yeah, my three my was memory the, of like Musketeers. of yeah. this show ending was. Uh, so like Carl gets sucked into the space triangle and then he's just floating through space. And no, then you- he, he, they come across the space triangle and the space triangle is, he wants to attack it because Carl, unlike us, is red uh, fleet. Is red, red fleet. fleet. Yeah. So he, he they, answer, they solve questions. You know, if, every, uh, if all you have is a, is a neutron bomb, everything <laughs> looks like a dangerous space triangle <laughs> that needs and to be neutron needs bombed. to be neutron bombed and so <laughs> if all you have is a neutron bomb every puzzle looks like a planet that needs to be neutron bombed <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> no it's good that that should be engraved like in the chambers where the red fleet <laughs> Debates the halls, yeah. the halls of Red Fleet. Yeah, because yeah, I, I like picture that. them wearing robes and doing all kinds of spooky shit. Oh yeah, I like that being all uh, <laughs> uh, secret uh, Illuminati, secret society Illuminati. Yeah, Red um, Fleet crazy. Uh, but so, then he goes that he can't blow it up with the bombs. It has no effect. Right. He so, throws a nuke at it. So he throws his, a nuke at it, and then the triangle opens a gate, basically, and just and then the, the bomb, bomb disappears. Yeah. yeah, and so he's like, "All right, that's it. The gloves are off," and he puts on a space helmet to go out there and punch, punch the, the triangle. Space triangle. <laughs> uh, and then and the space triangle sends him into that same dimension. And then, and then the, the episode ends. Yeah, but then him. there's like a post-credit scene, which Carl is performed live. The, Carl and the bomb dancing to Space Oddity. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's that was my. It was the that's like the funniest thing I've ever yeah. seen. Oh, it was that, so yeah. amazing. That's one of those things he, we we didn't write that, and it was uh, I think it was like during the rehearsal. I think we were and, just playing the song at the end, and, he and then was Carl picked around. up because we had a cardboard bomb prop that uh, Sam yeah. Jonas walked around and just went boop, beep, <laughs> beep. Uh, and then yeah, Carl just picked up the bomb and beep. was goofing on it, and that was like that. Yeah, so he was like outside the front door of Scratch Deli. He opens the door and he like, and then like the, the lights are down, the music's playing, and then he just comes through the door and he's <laughs> dancing with this thing, and he's wearing like a. Uh, 
this little space helmet that's just saran wrap yep. and cardboard. Yep. Yeah, that is our space helmet. And the lights come back on, and he's just like, like <laughs> sweetly dancing with this bomb. It's a space oddity, yeah. and it was like the perfect moment. It yeah. was like it was just set up so well, and it was so fucking funny. Yeah. And then you guys like changed format after that, so that ended up being the last one, and yeah. I was devastated. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I loved the live one. <laughs> no, I, I loved. I mean, um, and I mean, I ended up really liking the the radio play as sure. well. It's different. It's a different thing. It's yeah, a different it's thing. so different. But it oh, holds. Man, I still miss it. I, I really to me want the fact you that you or anyone likes both of them is a testament to the fact that uh, I believe that if you yourself are a creative person, you can create in various formats if you understand the format in which you're creating. Oh, totally. So, That's how yeah. I entertain myself all day long. Like <laughs> what I'm trying like to I'm say, I'm making podcasts, I'm making it, music. Like yeah. this day, I feel like this form of yeah. expression. I do that, and it's all in the same theme. And it's kind of you know, like that's what you guys are doing. You yeah. just changed. It's Change the same format. story. And if anyone has yeah. like a million dollars and wants to give me and Ryan a million dollars, we'll write you a fucking helotype movie. Yeah, no problem, no yeah. questions asked. We could do a Flight Space Seven movie. We could Absolutely, do, we could do. A but live you guys do these other show. stories too. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the glory of the new format is that it yeah. opened up, it like untied your hands to do well, whatever yeah. you wanted to the do. The thing it was that basically me and Doug were like, we have like the, the acting is very fun, mm-hmm. the memorizing the lines was not so old, much, and we would miss parts stuff a lot of. Uh, yeah. uh, and Lindsay Leonard and, and Ryan were the best at, I think, the the memorizing. No offense to anyone else was in the show. Some of you were really good. <laughs> Just those two were consistently. Uh, but it added so much to the show because, like, it was really hard to tell. Well, if, so here's the doubt. From, from the outside, sure. it was really hard to tell if Ryan like knew his lines and was uh, making it up and that added oh, no. so much to no. the character okay Ryan, fair enough Ryan, uh, <laughs> no R- the, Ryan's character was written I believe to be this kind of hesitant uh, you know yeah. it sounds like he's making stuff up because as a captain he's kind of making it up as he goes and that's why it was so charming I, I love Hank Howe I love the character yeah. you I mean your performance in that show was it's beautiful excellent yeah. wow thank you so natural and like I met you through Tiny Baby, but then I saw that. Sh- no, I I think the first time I saw you was at Flight Space Seven. I, I think, think that was I before you. I. It was before I, Tiny Baby. It was Tiny it? Baby. Yeah, that's right. Because then, like, we all went. Like Barton and I went to the show together. We went to Dan's. Like, dude, Dan, you got to put Ryan in Tiny Baby. <laughs> funny as shit. <laughs> like, your performance is oh, look, so Flight natural. Got you booked. <laughs> oh, goody. It was. Yeah, I love doing it. Yeah. I I did like. I really liked those live performances. You've were, done. Were you, very you have a background yeah. though in theater in a way that I don't. I right? have a very. I have like a high. Yeah, like a high school theater <laughs> oh yeah what you did uh, plays in high school what'd you do uh i did my first play i did was arsenic and old lace which is uh, uh you ever seen that no i'm familiar with the i don't know i, I can't even remember it. the playwright uh, but i played a guy who is uh thought he was teddy roosevelt <laughs> teddy, uh, he lived in the <laughs> attic and, and he would charge up the the stairs to his attic room as if he was uh charging san juan hill and he would go <laughs> charge and those were like the first onstage laughs i ever got was, like in high school how cool did pretty good and then i was <laughs> i think i was in the crucible yeah did oh, the crucible nice. and then and then after that, I wasn't allowed. I didn't get any more parts. I think <laughs> I like to say it's because I was such a bad boy. I skipped a lot of school. I don't, think they, I don't think they thought I should be in the plays, but also it could have been that I just didn't get the parts, which I can't imagine if it was because I'm so talented. So talented. Jesse yeah. has attested. I've seen it. It's real. Dude, I went to a, I went to an elementary school that did a fine arts program. And, yeah, uh, they had like they did musical theater and i was uh model the tailor and fiddler on the roof and then, uh, <laughs> yeah. bella zangler and crazy for you nice i don't that know that crazy for you it's a gershwin 
Okay, cool. They like it, they wrote it. I think it was after Gershwin's death, where they just took a bunch of Gershwin songs and Ooh, wrote a story around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. It's really good. I was a Hungarian guy. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. yeah, I I didn't get to do any musical theater, but I I did. I do like. I did a musical. I do like. What did you do? Uh, Damn Yankees. Oh, cool. Yeah, I played the owner of the Red Sox and the Damn Yankees. And it was because my sister uh, really liked theater in high school. And she was in the, the high school uh, drama club. And then I went to pick her up from theater one night. And then uh, the next day, my sister said, oh, the guy that's directing the thing wants to know if you want to be in the play. And she was kind of, I had the feeling at the time she was a little put out, like, we try out for this and you're just in it because you basically look like a chubby old person that we put white hair on that can own the Red Sox, you know? Right. Like someone dropped out of it and like, yeah, you look like this part. And I did it and I did it terribly. Uh, and then I switched to doing tech for all the other shows after that. Yeah. <laughs> but it did make me enjoy theater. Like before that, I had zero interest in it. I did mm. different. I started doing tech and then I did acting. Uh, and then I yeah, just yeah. was too busy smoking weed at <laughs> school to be bothered. And as of right you now today, I'm still I, uh, doing the tech and you're still doing, killing it on the acting. I, uh, yeah. I thought you were going to say well, still smoking all the weed. Well, you we're both do, smoking all the you weed. Do a, you do a fantastic, you do a fantastic job <laughs> acting. So, so very funny. I like you got your first laughs on stage and that kind of want, makes you want to be a, a stand-up is that the story yeah I mean I, I'm a funny person <laughs> I think you <laughs> I'm know a funny person I never I never wanted to, uh, I never thought about doing stand-up until I saw a flyer for a, <laughs> an open mic that was across the street from this pizza place in Madison Wisconsin and I was like I'll go That's just funny. watch it and I just watched it for like a summer <laughs> until uh, I saw some guy get up and uh, my friend Nick Hart, who I'm still friends with, uh, and he's a very talented comedian, uh, get up and just forget everything that he was going to say <laughs> and be like, sorry, guys. <laughs> I, yeah, I forgot everything. I fucked up. All right. And he got just like, was like, didn't die or anything. Right, I was like, still did I was fine. Like, oh. I could do that. Yeah, <laughs> I think I could do that I could and forget not everything. No, yeah. I was like, I can, I can do better. I can at least remember. Things, yeah, <laughs> I think I thought I was like, oh, I mean, it, but also it was the fear of like, oh, nothing happens if you right. There's the world no, doesn't There's end. low stakes yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A vortex beneath your feet opens up and you get dragged yeah. to hell. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like that movie, drag me to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, what about you? What got you into stand up? Uh, do you want a, a, a short answer or a long answer? Uh, we got time. Um, when I was 12, it occurred to me that everything around you is the result of paid labor. You know, like, oh, somebody made this microphone. Somebody sewed that or operated a machine that sewed that blanket that's over there in the corner. Like, huh. it just before that, it was all these things are just here and they're here. You know what I mean? And then at some point, my brain made the connection of like, oh, no, fuck, people do this. Like, anything that you hold in your hand is like someone's job somewhere down the line. Unless it's like... Uh, you know, dirt or something you find on the ground. <laughs> so then it occurred to me like, oh, everyone's like bugging kids. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to have for a job? So I want to pick something that is fucking easy. So <laughs> as as a child, my first job in my mind was the person that summarizes movies on the backs of VHS boxes. 
Oh, my I was like, God. Oh, that seems great. like such a tight job. Like, all you do is you watch a movie and then you write two paragraphs of what the movie is about. <laughs> and then I also, in my mind, thought, <laughs> I don't, this is, uh, I bet that's the same guy that does the TV guide ones, too. Oh, like, God. that's your job is summarizing things. That's so good. I, uh, <laughs> so then, basically, I, I always, I had a sim- very similar uh, jealousy fantasy job where I thought that. There was some guy whose job it was to name the streets in new subdivisions. <laughs> and yeah. that must be a cake job. Yeah. Just like, what's the name of the uh, neighborhood Deer Run? Okay, so Whitetail Road, uh, Antler Road, <laughs> Doe <laughs> Avenue. But like also having that fantasy of like, God, someone's circle. got that yeah. cake job. <laughs> wow. Living in Florida, you see that where you'll drive through a section and there'll be like a new area of development <laughs> yeah. and suddenly be like, oh, all the streets are flowers. And then yes. you move down and you're like, oh, these are all in alphabetical order and <laughs> have no connection to each other. I don't want to live in this neighborhood. I think a crazy person is naming the streets here. But okay, so you, you made the con- Okay, so I made that connection that everything around me is work, everything around me is a job, and then yeah. I'm, I was, and still to this day, I'm crazily lazy. So, yeah, the VHS summaries, I was looking for an easy job, and then I was watching, you know, TV's on, your parents are watching TV, Carson, uh, and I saw somebody juggling, and I was like, oh, that looks like that would be, like, you just, if you can just figure out how to juggle, they'll just pay you to, like, juggle and be on TV. And so I tried to teach myself how to juggle off of that. And I did. I managed to figure it out. But then uh, later on, saw someone just like doing stand up, like doing comedy. It's like, oh, that's even easier. Huh. You, that's, just you're just, you just talk. You don't have to learn to catch yeah, anything. Yeah. I know how to talk already. Yeah. And then <laughs> so then it evolved from there. And once I got to high school, I had settled on. I want to be a writer because the whole like stand up comedy. I started thinking about I'm like, oh, you, you, I don't know how to get on like TV or do any yeah. of that stuff. But like people just write stuff. People just write stuff and you write it and you have it and it's written and you can show it to somebody else, you know? Yeah. So that became and then I don't know that be, it all centered around laziness. And then later on as an adult. Uh, a friend of mine, Blaine Reader, when I moved to Seattle, um, actually, I should back up a bit. I went to an open mic in Boston when I was in my 20s, when I lived in New Hampshire. Basically, a friend had said, like, you're really funny. You should, like, do this for a living. You should you should pursue this. I was like, oh, yeah, I used to I did want to do that because it does seem easy. And then I went I'm like, no, this is a pain in the nuts. Forget <laughs> that. And then, yeah, when I lived in Seattle, a friend of mine, had I had told him that story. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to open mic at Giggles. You want to come with me? I was like, "Uh, okay. And then that's that's it. Then I've been doing comedy in Seattle ever since. (laughs) How long has that been? I do not know. Hmm. You won't tell. No. You won't even tell me. It's over. mm, It's too long. It's like over 10 years. It's probably close to 12 or 13. But if you put like effort in, it's probably been like a half an hour to uh, 45 minutes. Yeah. That's, that's about how much actual work I put into God. We both have very similar uh, work life, ethic. Uh, work ethic, and life philosophies. Where <laughs> don't want to really be working, yeah, on yeah. too much at any given moment. My favorite thing to do is to go to a comedy show and hang outside and smoke <laughs> and talk to anyone else who also doesn't want to watch that comedy show. Yeah, and that's uh, that's how we became friends. I hey, think. Your first. Time. <laughs> I will say this. I will say this. <laughs> 
if you have an audience, I can do the fucking work. You know what yeah. I mean? But no, you are. That's also yeah. boring. Like anyone, <laughs> anyone should be able to do well in front of a good audience. Hmm. And I just, I have no tolerance to like do mediocre in front of a, you know, a, to do a bad all the audience. times that yeah. you need to. Yeah. To, 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 I don't know. What's been your, what's been your worst moment on stage? There's been a lot of bad moments on stage. <laughs> This uh, is something that fascinates me about nothing sticks out for me because I just it like it's like water off a duck's ass. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. So this is like the main difference to me between like a musician and a comedian because a lot of us know each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, comedians like I don't know. I, I feel like doing a bad comedy set is probably like infinitely more awful than doing a bad set of music. I think so. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'd 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 be curious if we're going to start to isolate variables here to talk to a solo musician. Like, do yeah. you feel really worse because you can't hide behind some other? I, that's okay. That's yeah. true because I I stopped playing solo shows. I mean, I do I do it again now with like a new setup. But I used to play like acoustic solo shows, and I've had some like devastating experiences, like where mm-hmm. I'm like pouring my soul out to a yeah. crowd, and their like backs are turned to me, and they're like talking at the top yeah, of the yeah. lungs and drinking yeah. and like the you know like me being there is a distraction to their <laughs> to their like their time that they're trying to have yeah or, or, and the last time i did that i was like well, fuck you guys and i started playing dave matthews songs <laughs> of which i know a lot do they call um, that so in comedy they call that having a snap set where you get so mad at the audience, you're like, oh, really? Well, fuck you then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guess what you get, motherfuckers. And then uh, it was, I was like, I mean, you I snap on them. You snap on them. Yeah. Yeah. No, Some yeah. That was really well with their snap sets, which is a huge irony. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that was like, Ooh, the mask came down, so it became real. Yes. Like, the reason I started performing under a stage name is because I needed some separation from. Oh, this what I was 100%. Doing. There are people I've seen that, that it really do character exaggerations on stage, and then they don't do well. Uh, and then in their mind, they're like, well, yeah, I didn't fail. Like, blah, 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 failed. The the, the right. fictional thing that they were just being on stage. They're able to emotionally create a separation and a distance, which to me is basically leaning into your psychosis. But whatever, whatever works, works for you, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, it was like uh, I've always held myself back a little bit because my stuff was so personal. It's like, uh, yeah, there you go. Um, I'm making Jesse give me whiskey in the midst of his like gonna get personal yeah <laughs> so well, I'm gonna drink for this then <laughs> so like if I'm singing a song that's about like you know me going through heartbreak or something it's very personal and then if someone doesn't like it it's like being heartbroken all over again right yeah, yeah I, I sort of agree with that but uh, I think if I like something that I've created everyone else can go fuck themselves. I really don't give a shit. Yeah. So that's what happened to me when I, when I started performing under a stage name, it's Mm -hmm. like, this is all something that I really believe in. And this is what I call it, you know? And instead of like, it's my name, you know, like this is what I, this is what I refer to it as. And that actually like opened me up to make things that, I think we're a little more uh, out there, a little more like flamboyant, oh, like performing no, more flamboyant. Yeah. It like it it removed this like layer of self that I always had on my sure. work. Yeah, no, I can understand that. Yeah, and it's been really, really, really great. It's yeah. been like such a positive thing. Ryan is somebody for me in my life that I think is interesting because uh, uh, I appreciate people that aren't afraid to take chances. And Ryan, uh, that's one of the things that I've always been enamored with is someone who isn't afraid to take chances. It's it's why uh, if you have uh, the opportunity hang out with ryan because he is a delight <laughs> and if you ever uh, always taking risks and if you ever slip into 
Well, no, no, safe risks, fun uh, risks. If you ever slip into, if you ever slip, if you ever slip into goofing around mode, like you, yeah. you like you love just like riffing and conversation. I love riffing and, and conversations. Goof. And yeah, I'm somebody never who's uses like, condoms. I very no. rarely do that. I'm sort of terrified of just kind of just saying what's on the top of your head, improv-y kind of thing. Unless huh. I'm super deep in the cups, but other than that, no, no, no. Yeah, Interesting. that's the uh, that's what I have the most fun performing mm-hmm. when I do stand up. I think, but sometimes it doesn't go well, or sometimes you're trying to get too loose, and I have too many beers before I try to do it, or something, <laughs> and it doesn't go well, or people don't like it. But also, it that's not that bad. Sometimes it hurts my feelings when I, I don't do that well. Yeah. I don't like when I'm the focus of the show. Oh, I don't yeah, like absolutely. when it's when I'm like the headliner, and they've made a poster yep. of my face yep, <laughs> no, I agree. and i'm like oh god this is not gonna go well yep. for me because oh. I'm, I'm just gonna just fuck it up on purpose or something <laughs> i think so that people don't ever have too high expectations let's keep the expectations at a reasonable level at a people reasonable level please <laughs> um i liked yeah i liked performing i liked performing the show live i, I mm-hmm. do enjoy I memorizing it. lines and acting and stuff like that but 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 we had we both kind of decided that we had we were having the most fun writing the yes. scripts. Right. Cool. So the the thing to me was not I've never upset somebody forgot a line. There's always this regret of like oh I had that a really good gone. joke that because yeah. we wouldn't do like a run like a play. Right. We would one we shot. would rehearse shot, for yeah. a for a couple weeks and then we'd do it one time mm-hmm. right. and we weren't even taping them or anything. Right. They were just into the eat. They were ephemeral. They were, they were basically just for you to remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just for Jesse. Yeah. And Lindsay's mom. And uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to say it uh, just to bug him. I like calling Justin Jason because it bothers him justin minnick yeah but yeah uh justin justin was probably the most upset when we changed it justin was the first what i would consider super fan because he was curious about how canon would work Uh, between yeah he was upset because we we were resetting the universe (laughs) which is adorable about that too oh you were but we didn't really i know we did actually we did kind of reset the universe you did because like oh yeah they're not connected yeah they're totally disconnected it it, it was like it was like the second iteration of an idea that you'd had yeah absolutely to me they're alternate universes and the basis of this for me has been always bill elland the creative mind behind the, the tick, tick where he's somebody uh. who's he's taken the tick and just put it into various media yeah and he's been, it's been a cartoon it's been a comic book it's been a tv series it's going to be another tv series there are people that are upset that he's not going to have patrick or patrick warburton isn't able to or chooses not to really whatever i don't know the story he's not going to be in the new tick who gives okay. a shit like it's still the yeah. tick. Yeah, it doesn't really matter he was i, I yeah. tick movies is Give batman me- well going to be in it <laughs> Well, see, Batman well was in the TV series. He wasn't somebody that existed yeah, in the in cartoon. The really? Yeah, in the comic book, he was Flader, Flader Mouse. Mouse. Right. Yeah, so, it was the And Batman he didn't guy. exist in the comic book at all. There was but no he's equivalent. Great. He's so great in the he's show. He's so great. Right, but see, yeah. to me, this but that's, is, they're doing archetypes. They're making right. fun of... Yeah. I mean, Red Sun is 100% basically doing... Uh, mining the same field as the Tick. Right. Yeah. Uh, Red Sun being like the second story you guys did yeah, for, for Radio, radio Once you went to the... Did I jump ahead too far again? Are we still in the live action? Let's go to the beginning of Radio LARP. So, okay. I mean, so, we've talked about, obviously, yeah. we've talked about a lot. It turns into a radio show. Here's what happened. So, we're doing a live show, a monthly show, and then it's quickly devolving into every other month, or, you know, we're missing shows for one reason or the other. People and can't make rehearsals. People can't make rehearsals. It's it's kind much. of falling apart in my mind of like, ooh, this is slipping away from me. Well, it's a big cast. Like, so getting, yeah. getting anyone together to do uh, anything in this town is so hard. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and I, we, props we, and, and all of it for free. Yeah. Right. No one's getting paid. <laughs> we were... 
we were never limited by ambition, baby. Right. Uh, yeah. We were we were more than willing to let <laughs> bite off far more than we could chew. <laughs> but that's fine. That was that was what we wanted. Yeah. And then at some point I started to feel like I don't think we could once the a lost episode five, the dinner lizard episode. We tried to the do it twice. And, and After it, the second time, I was like, I can't do this. I can't put this much effort into something that's just not being pulled off. Yeah. We have to find a way to simplify it. And because we would agonize over the uh, scripts, and I still do. Yeah, still do. Whole but then days, yeah. my my wife Rosalie listens to Thrilling Adventure Hour, and so I was aware of that concept of Thrilling Adventure Hour. And then one day, I just sort of thought to myself, Oh, we could we could take what we're doing now and turn it into basically copying the model of thrilling adventure hour, which if you're not familiar, thrilling adventure hour is the umbrella for a podcast, uh, where each episode is a radio play. And there are a various number of different storylines that, um, thrilling adventure hour is pursuing with different casts. It's the same writers for all of them, but they're going through different genres and theirs is more focused on old timey radio. Yeah, but that yeah. was, that was the model. It had started from thinking like, well, what could we do that would be easier? Right, well, right. rehearsal, are out so what if we were just reading scripts well what would that be like like stage readings and then it just was like oh yeah radio play so then we decided or uh, to move to let's keep flight space 7 but let's make flight space 7 the first storyline underneath this umbrella of radio larp and then if we're bored with flight space 7 or we think of something else we can do another genre and so far i think our main interest has always been that it's it's uh, genre fiction. They've all been, I would consider satires of various genres. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also, I don't feel that we're even limited to that. Uh, if we decide that there's some other thing that we want to write and record and release it through radio LARP, we can, Yeah. you know, it was, yeah, I was, I was hesitant because mm -hmm. you kind of came to me with the idea and I did not want to style of the props. And I love, right. Uh, the audience. We were going to lose a lot. Yeah. But I also was like, I really, I do love, and I had a love for uh, audio uh, for, comedy. For you, for, it was The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, the Hitchhiker's awesome. Guide to the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. uh, the BBC radio yeah. play. Yeah, well, it was a radio play before it was ever right. a book. Right. This yeah. is one of the, like, the selling points, I think, for you. For on me, this it was. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, it went from Red Dwarf inspired to... BBC radio play Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Which is, nice. you know, right in the same ballpark. See, we're right in the same wheelhouse. And yeah. and so I was like, yeah, that, I mean, if you ever listen to that, that's like, it's just, it's really wonderful. It's phenomenal. And, um, Highly recommended. It's so good. And I like old stuff. My dad always, and my uncle always. Fire Sign Theater. Fire Sign yeah. Theater, which is, I don't know if you ever, listen, they were like 60s sort of. Radical hippies. Uh, like <laughs> hippie sort of drug. Yeah. Infused. Yeah. Uh, comedy albums but like elaborately produced elaborately produced there's a in stage. very layered uh, very there's one where they're like this guy's in a in an rv and headed down like a highway and you hear the doppler billboards effect. going by you as a doppler effect they're like you know at a low freeway five miles and if uh, so and so condos if you lived here you'd be home like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. as you were going by yeah. and so I, I i was like there are sort of elaborate things that you can do and I was also a real big fan of uh, Super Ego, yes, which yeah. is a show where they, uh, I believe it's mostly imp it's imp improv with heavy editing, but mm. they go back and then they add 
uh, a lot of sound effects yeah. and like and uh, and post production stuff. Yeah. So it sounds like they have a bunch of the, where they do a uh, 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 X Wing squadrons yeah. checking in round <laughs> one, checking in round two. Like they, we should do it, that. It sounds sometime. just like it. Yeah. yeah. We should do that if you want. If you want to get like practice doing post production and editing, yeah, let's just sit down and fucking improv out some nonsense, and then figure out how to sew it together. Let's figure out how to sew yeah, it together, yeah. and then, yeah. then walk you through what it takes to do that. Oh God, yeah, I need to learn. I'll teach you what little I know about. Uh, <laughs> hey, if there any, if there's anyone out there who wants to know how to do post production, uh, download a copy of Audacity for whatever machine you use, and then get used to googling thing I want to do Audacity, <laughs> Audacity thing I want to do, and that is a hundred percent how you do post-production on a a low rent podcast. But it was right away. I I, I really did. I I liked it a lot. Um, So you did three episodes of flights by seven. Is that right? Before you switched to three or four to rise of the red sun. Three or four. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. I think we did three. Yeah, we got into a real. We got into. We rode ourselves into a corner that was at the bottom of a hole. We're learning at the end of a right. dead end street. I, I be- oh, in what way? I became obsessed with uh, the the crew uh, experiencing going to a planet that was essentially uh, Dune. Dune from uh-huh. the Dune. So there was. Oh, I, oh, it I was all allegory for Dune. <laughs> And there was uh, instead of sandworms, they were like bats, desert bats, yep. giant desert, desert bats. bats, and they were instead of spice, uh, it's paste, uh, spice paste, spice paste. Yeah, it's not just spice, uh, spice paste, spice paste. <laughs> yeah, and I think it was it was Guan. a drug kind of. It's a drug. Yeah, it it's a, a drug. paste. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's there's so many to me. There's so many little <laughs> things that are going to wind up being. Uh, they were supposed to be episodic, but uh, we would basically just I would keep spooling the plot out, mm-hmm. and then we'd be like, we're going to stop here and can pick it up. <laughs> Next yeah, yeah. episode, and then I was like, I have no idea, no idea where we're going. Yeah, let's <laughs> just let's just do, and we just switch to. We also uh, had the do. problem of uh, not the problem. <laughs> I should say the added difficulty of it was three of us writing it, so we were trying to divide a single episode up into thirds. Yeah, mm. and we had already gone through writing uh, labor of division when it comes to writing through the live show, so we had already kind of across that uh, line, which is a difficult thing if you're going to collaborate. I. We, anyone who is interested can talk to me offline to hear my theories about that. <laughs> yeah. So we'd already kind of settled a lot of those issues, but then we're starting to write the radio play. We're dividing it up into thirds. And then after the rewrites, uh, like Albert often would be the person writing the final third. And then the rewrites would make it be like, well, this is going to be super long. Be so like you have to push everything that you've written out. Hmm. So either we get rid of that and never have that part of the story, or we make it a two-parter, an episodic, and then have that come back in the next. It wasn't episode. intentional, but it kept it kept it kept happening. happening. So we just we to we, Albert <laughs> to Albert because well, he was always the back the back tackling end. the yeah. back end of the, the tackling the back end yeah. script. Which yeah. is, but I will say I and I think Albert would agree with this is that of all of the things that we did with the Flight Space Seven radio play. I think everything that Albert had ever written had uh, in one form or another wound up in the show. We never so. wound up pushing anything out into infinity and getting rid of it. You no, know? no. Yeah. So we just, it basically went from being the live show very clearly was episodic. Yeah. And then as soon as we did the radio play, it became serialized. And then, and then our final flight space seven of the radio play ends like a very classic cliffhanger way. And then one of the principal 
characters, uh, the actors play. Albert moves to New York, right. and there's just it would be really hard to yeah. Um, Carl Powers uh, also moved to LA. Yeah, moved to LA. Yeah. Moved to LA. Um, yeah. So no one's getting paid. There's no commitment. Yeah, yeah. You are going to stay in town to be. We- <laughs> You should yeah. just hire people to sound like Carl Powell. Oh, no. Which I, is also a thing that we can just, do. Yeah, we, I, we honestly, I would recast parts. that in a second. But we also yeah. wrote ourselves into a weird corner because the whole thing had started off with a, a, an idea of a time travel loop that I threw oh, in God. there because I just needed to. I had I had directionless writing. So it's like, just fill in. Like, they do something here. And then I wrote something super weird. <laughs> and now it's like a thing that's hanging over our head this in a way. This colossal time loop right. plot that. Doug still claims to this hundred percent could fix that this. he could I draw can, out. Wait, 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 tell, what is out. it? What's the problem? There is no problem. The problem. Okay. The problem inherent is that any time travel thing has a paradox in it. Right. So we set up a scenario where flight space seven radio play episode one, two, three, and let's say four is happening while you yourself are listening to those. There are these weird things that make no sense contextually. Now they don't make any sense, but once in future episodes, we address the time travel loop that will happen. Yeah. Those things will contextually make sense. That's awesome. It's yeah. like like the Arrested Development Netflix show where you watch through it the first time and you right. don't get a lot of jokes. But then like when you get halfway through the season, you realize where everything's Oh, right. That's to, happening at the yeah. same time so, like, as this other thing is happening. Place. And yeah, then yeah. if you go back and rewatch it from the beginning, it all makes sense. Right. Yeah. So basically, once we decide to in my mind collapse that waveform to circle that loop then all of those things can be explained away and can make sense you know but, but yeah. also it, it got real complicated and gave me a <laughs> headache and i was like i don't want to do this <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. which is fine i'm terrible to work with I'm, <laughs> no 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 oh no i have uh, just no I, that i just wanted i you wanted out that plot line yeah i think you want to pull yeah. it? that's fine that's and again I feel like it was my fault no, there's no know. fault. I feel I feel very strongly about all the stuff. I we like did. it. I think yeah. it's super cool. I like it. And I'd like to see it played out. What I like about the Dune thing is that to me it transformed uh, Flight Space Seven into a show that now is a vehicle through which to explore. Like Star Trek Enterprise uh, explores the galaxy. Flight Space Seven explores science fiction. Yeah. yeah. So we can take Flight Space Seven to go. Let's see what's happening on Dune. Let's take Flight Space Seven and go see what happens oh, cool. in Star Wars. That's right. awesome. Let's take Flight Space Seven to go see what's happening over here in this other science fiction thing. That's you know? great. Yeah, yeah I, I never was, picked up on that. That's it's totally, exploring the sci-fi universe, I was very, not the known universe. And that's yeah. why I liked it so much is because it really appealed to me as a sci-fi fan. It's like, oh, this is like very obviously a next generation mm-hmm. like ripoff, right? And it I is. love that. Yeah, this, I have an idea, and I should say that none of this. I don't even know this will happen i have a vision in my head where howell is uh removed from being a captain voluntarily or forcibly and then i'm becomes, on sabbatical on sabbatical becomes taking the, a vacation he becomes I'm not the, going anywhere the chef of the ship i'm just gonna be <laughs> working cooking the kitchen. down here guys and then, Guinan. yeah well then at that point we find out like oh this whole time there's been like thousands of people living on this massive <laughs> Like, because we've never talked about it or described the ship. Yeah. But if, what if our ship is like fucking huge? Yeah. And we've just shown these three or four assholes up at the top. But there's there's like there's like a colony that we're uh, carrying around with us. I like the yeah. idea of of not being afraid to uh, play with or betray the reality. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Um, and like I said, like. Uh, 
like Red Dwarf, you know, they would do they would do a series of those every few years. Yeah. It would be very different every time. And I also I like uh, um, Venture Brothers a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where they really do they the characters change and they kind of hit yep. a lot of different references. Yep. Um, just blowing through a bunch of different yep. stuff. Uh, it's a thing that sort of bothers me on another level. Like the Simpsons have been on for, uh, I think at the time you're listening to this, like 40 or 50 years. Yeah. <laughs> and what's shocking to me is that uh, it wasn't until like season 63, 64 that they <laughs> decided to like, hey, why don't we just like make them be in high school? Like these characters. Oh, they did that? Yes. I, didn't, yeah. I stopped oh, watching yeah. forever ago. Oh, absolutely. Once you get when to 45, you can just drop yeah. out. You know? Recently? Like, yeah, because they, they were like the same age for a good 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Not so, being... <laughs> did they, wait, hold on. I'm creating a fake history for The Simpsons right oh, now. Oh, you are? You blow my mind. Yeah. I'm like, did they skip know. time? Did they go forward? Oh, I said my God. season 63. Who thinks The Simpsons have been on? No, Anyways, but, but, but The are Simpsons they... are right now at like so 22, so 23. Clever, are they still in the, in the they're same still, grade? Yeah, they're still yeah, in the same so grade, okay. which itself is a funny joke. But, but I do but remember to be when I did watch the show, I remember them going up one grade after like season six or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. South Park, I think, has done that a little bit. It's a fucking cartoon show. There's no reason that this point in time yeah simpsons oh, whatever the next season is, season 27 of the simpsons and it takes place in a year they never name but homer is older and bart is older you know they've they've moved everybody forward 10 years in their universe yeah. and then that's what they explore for a little while like that why, would be awesome there's no reason they they can't it's all the same voices yeah. and they have a whole new thing so to work that's with. what i loved i mean i Battlestar Galactica was not my favorite show, but that's what I loved about that show is mm -hmm. at the end of season two, spoilers, mm -hmm. when they jump forward in time and then they examine this different period in everyone's history. Yes, I think Ooh, I was like, see, fuck, yeah. yeah, like new Caprica stuff was amazing. Yeah. Spoiler alert, we're kind of doing that with our uh, season two opening of Flight Space 7. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We've moved forward. We're going to move forward uh, an undetermined amount of time. And then have a new a new situation that they're dealing with and a new context for the stories. Yeah. So what are you going to ignore the cliffhanger? Are you just going to move to a different, <laughs> a different no, spot? No, uh, we're not ignoring it. it it's just in the past. If I you mean, do that's definitely enough, something that Red Dwarf did, where they like did cliffhangers and they like the, the end of season eight with right. this big cliffhanger. Then season nine, which was just that that movie that they cut into three episodes, yeah. right. was completely separate, and they barely referenced yeah. the fact that like everyone blew up at the end. <laughs> No, it doesn't I'm, matter. I, I'm not saying we're <laughs> ignoring it, but I'm saying that if you sleep in a hypertube, you don't have to have dreams about the horrors of your past. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I'm just making references for Ryan. To this He's script. making references to the episode that we had. Which is fine. That doesn't, we're writing now. Yeah, no I, spoilers, though. For I, the folks so so you, you do this big cliffhanger on Flight Space 7, and then you jump into Rise of the Red Sun, and you did right, yeah. how many episodes of that? Three. Three. And then two. And you did one of those at Bumbershoot. One at Bumbershoot, Which yeah. was awesome. Thank uh, you. My, my favorite part, I was backstage, because Tiny Baby was up next. Yeah. So I saw no, it super famous. Oh, you're right. We super split famous. with super famous. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was one of the better attended shows for that local stage yeah. at Bumbershoop. Uh, Bumbershoop. Bumbershoop. Which was, uh, oh man, yeah, that show was me. awesome. Yeah. The super famous performance. Was so, so good. Great. So good. Yeah, Lindsay and Randy came on the show back in like episode ten. Yeah, I, and they did. They improvised as Kenzie and Chloe ah, for fantastic. about an yeah. hour, and yeah. I cut it down to like half an hour, yeah, yeah. and it's fucking awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. It's um, been definitely better than this. It's so much better than Pile this. Um, <laughs> Shaz, the so, right now. But my favorite oh, part of that Shaz. show, 
My yeah. favorite part of I your bombshell episode was, was Dan DeRozier screaming, I am Paul fucking Allen. Allen. Was... I don't make mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I make decisions. Life altering this <laughs> world changing decisions. Oh, yeah. Dan as Paul Allen was so great. One of my favorite things about Red Sun is exploring, to me, the concept, two different concepts. Uh, one is the... Uh, um, the confident idiot, the person that has no reason <laughs> to be confident in their abilities, but they just are brimming with it. Yeah. And then the overdramatic, the overdramatic villain, uh, just that will always, I will always be enamored yeah. with the, the over the, the top. Arch. Yeah. Yeah. Very arch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah so, so like the basic premise of Red Sun, as I understood it, was it's a whole city full of superheroes mm-hmm. and Red Seattle, Sun is specifically. Yeah, Seattle and Red Sun is just this washed up superhero. Mm-hmm. A B-list superhero. Yeah. So, if you this yeah. is one where I can get really boring into the details. Do uh, it. <laughs> I had this idea that in comedy cuz I don't really give a shit about anything including comedy. So, <laughs> one of the things that I was thinking is like, you know, if I want to keep pretending that I do comedy, I should maybe get better at it, like strengthen up all of the fortifications. So one way to do that, to, to strengthen something is to attack it and then find its weak spots. Oh, so yeah, as, totally. as a person that to me is moving towards the thing that you're afraid of, you know, hmm. and then you might find out like, mm, there's nothing to be afraid of there. It'd be like, Holy shit. You know, I gotta, <laughs> uh, uh, graft on some armor to that uh, spot there. Um, so one of those was character work, like being afraid of being up on stage and like goofing around as a character. Yeah. Uh, and then I saw Paul Gilmartin do his uh, Republican candidate character at Bumper Shoot one year, which is wonderful. And I wish I could remember the name of the fake character. But if you look up Paul Gilmartin, a uh, senator from Ohio, it is brilliant. His Twitter <laughs> bio is something like uh, standing up for the people that are having a hard time affording that second mortgage on their home. <laughs> so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then I was like, oh, this is how you do a character. You have a character where you have a basic premise and then you ask questions. You open it up for questions from the audience and then you're forced to try to interact with people as your character. Yeah. yeah. So then I said, oh, I'm going to do a superhero character and I called him the Red Sun. It was based on a towel that my wife had bought off of eBay. That's like a, it's supposed to be for children and she bought them just for us to have as towels around the house. And she had to special order them to make them adult sizes. And then when I was toying with the idea of becoming a superhero on stage, uh, this was the thing that I hit on. I had used the towel as a Halloween costume once to it, make up the it character. Just, it had eye holes in it already? Yeah, you got to describe what the towel looks so like. So the towel, it's a red towel, and the, the top of the mask covers your eyes down to your nose. And the shape of it is like a luchadora uh, mask. So that's the cut of it. Yeah. And so the my eyes and the top of my nose are covered with like a furry, fuzzy red towel with with black outline and then it looks like a cape yeah. behind me and then i also don't wear a shirt <laughs> when i do this because i pretend that uh he he needs to wear a heat resistant the red sun's powers are to generate heat off his body yes so uh he has much, to have a, much like you when you're not wearing a shirt right. yeah yeah so uh, well, he, he can't wear a, regular clothes because they'll burn right they'll off. burn right off he has and a special <laughs> heat resistant uh shirt uh but, but he, he lost he it. lost it yeah <laughs> uh, drinking in georgetown drinking in georgetown <laughs> Um, so yeah, Bill Nye, the science guy, made him the shirts and won't make him anymore because he's lost uh, two of them. He's so lost too many of them. <laughs> so this character I created basically to talk about some of my thoughts and feelings about comedy. Cool. The, the Red Sun to me represents the bitter road comic that was like not 
bad but not good but then <laughs> but then still like tried to make a run at it at new york yeah. and then was like oh god no like you a hundred percent don't fit in here you're definitely not an a-leaguer back mm. to the b-leagues and then kind of crawled back to their hometown and then is just there now is just kind of hanging around Interesting. so that's stand-up comedy parallel to the superhero world is a lot of what informed and this is just me doing it as a live stage performance yeah. and then we talked about it as being the basis for a world to explore through radio larp and then it's broken open like at this point in time uh, i consider like the stage thing a thing that i did but the the radio play that's come out of that and everything else has been a collaboration between me and ryan kind of exploring the tropes of a superhero world just to be yeah it's fun to write superhero and we do it especially with even more not with fight space 7 so much but this is very it's very um, <clears throat> Seattle specific. Yeah, I would say. Well, Space uh, Seven, New Seattle. They always talk about right. That's where New the, Seattle was the the capital. Of, right. Oh, uh, that reminds the, me. And then in the the wasteland uh, one, we we've hinted, I think, uh, at the. Yeah, we do try to keep a Seattle line through it. Everything. Which I think, yeah. For some uh, reason, that reminds me of fun. Space Satan, and I gotta ask you about Space Satan because that was one of my favorite uh, yeah. things. Like, there's everybody space worships Satan. Space, space Satan. Satan. Yeah, space, space Satan. Satan. So, do yeah. which which version do you want to talk about, the live one or the radio play one? Uh, both. Start with a live one. Which one do you want to take? Right. There, there's, I didn't realize there were different versions of Space Satan. I might think about this far more than anyone else. I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I think it's played down a little bit. We don't really talk about it. The second uh, one, right. Uh, in, in the radio play, way. it's just in the background. Yeah, it was in the a background. very funny joke. Well, it was the first the first episode of was, it. It was Q. Yeah. That was, Space Satan was Q. Was Space Satan was... Uh, yeah, and it, it was, was very much like Q. the Futurama episode where like the devil, the robot devil kind of like puts everyone on trial. That's, like, that's right. what it reminded me of. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, yeah did, and, just, did we just steal No, no, no. Or Child. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, that was the, the that's, the, that's trope. the first. You can episode. steal shit that multiple people have done, and right. it's that's like no harm, episode. no foul. Yeah, is that my my, my in the first episode? Yeah, yeah, that's the pilot. yeah, Encounter Futurama. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. they do that, they're having they're aping that structure from well. Star Trek: Next Generation, and then we're adding on to that yeah. as well. Yeah, we're and all I'm the sure same. Star wheelhouse. Trek stole it from something else. You know, it's like the idea of just having humanity be on trial. It's all like to me. It's all just like dumb grandiose like mm -hmm, let us <laughs> let us speak to the greater things of people yeah 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 it's all dumb but so, but to us ultimately though what i mean the, i love it like the, i the, to me the payoff of the joke for space satan was that he, this person was do this entity was doing all this because they were lonely and just wanted to hang out yeah and then oh, i love that all of this the try and all of that was just like i don't know seemed like it'd be fun yeah yeah that was supposed so to be david leone playing that space uh, satan. who yeah. played space satan i don't remember robbie robbie, robbie schrader. schrader yeah he did it uh. great because robbie can definitely play just a you know yeah 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 a befuddling uh, can't wrap your yeah. arms around i think it was just a fun thing we did during the world building where yeah. we came up with the red and blue fleet thing and the world is also a sort of a it's a matriarchy right uh which blue is, fleet is a matriarchy uh, red fleet is a patriarchy <laughs> Is it? Uh, maybe? <laughs> maybe Red Fleet's thought, a matriarchy I thought well? everything was kind of a oh, matriarchy. Oh, everything. Yes, 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 yes. I think yes, that's yes, an yes, interesting right. idea yeah. to have everything's a matriarchy. Uh, that was a point. And yeah. that, was, uh, that was one no, of the you're, things. No, Ryan's 100% correct on that. Yeah. Mm. Fleet is a matriarchy, red um, and blue. Just kind of the world in general. And then uh, to have it be far enough in the future that instead of Christianity, Satanism. Somehow yeah. Satanism. Right. You know, we... <laughs> I think we went. <laughs> it's too really deep not into thought it. out. Yeah, it's just instead of saying like 
God damn it. It's like Satan blesses. Satan blesses. Right. Right. Well, uh, there's I a couple. Like, the Satan, like, like I remember a couple like Satan searing. Satan searing. Yeah. Like any kind of alliteration. And I usually what? like to do hell plural. Satan searing heck. Yeah. Hell. Yeah. I love the idea that like with the removal of enough time. Sure. The idea of Satan being like part of everyday life w- could seem normal. Yes. And I think that's yeah. very true. I mean, I, I feel like the only reason like Jesus seems normal to so many people is because they're brought up with it. Yeah. Right. Jesus, I was, I'm, you know, I was not brought up with Jesus. It seems fucking weird to me. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But somehow the entity of space Satan was right. not quite the, the traditional. Yeah. <laughs> It's not the traditional Christian uh, Satan. What yeah, is perhaps. the difference between space Satan and Satan? What well, space Satan? That's like a good is it, Al Pacino is in The Devil's Advocate Satan. Yeah, like maybe space Satan could show up. And I think regular yes. Satan might not be able to. But what uh, about we Al Pacino? Really thought he about it. up in The Devil's Advocate. Uh, yeah, but that was a movie, Jesse. I'd like to think <laughs> that, that maybe real life. Uh, what <laughs> space Satan in a way is a is a cartoonish um, representation of the. The secular humanism of Star Trek. Yeah, I would 100% you know what I mean? agree with that. 100% ah, agree with that. Because uh, yeah. Satan sort of, in, in Satanism, and modern Satanism, right. Do no sort harm. of represents uh, uh, pursuit of the self, pursuit yeah. of happiness, and pursuit of... Yeah. And so, but in d- a way... But not to the detriment of others. Right. It's so, a very principled, idealistic view. So, huh. yeah, in a way... Yeah. No, I agree with you. I'm totally on board It kind of makes that. sense? Yeah. yeah. 100% on board. <laughs> okay, I'm also... This is gonna, what, I haven't said that out loud. No, that's fine. What but, a, what am yeah. I, one of my... Uh, uh, philosophies a lot of times is like we could make literally anything make sense. Writing is magic. Words are yeah, magic. That. That's we so could fun. just like you, we could fix yes, totally. any problem. If, if any somebody problem. comes to me, science fiction too is like yeah. that's your chance you to just, like yeah, just connect the thing. dots. Yep. Yeah, I said this and this is why. Okay, great. And it's fun. And sometimes I get too high and comp- and I get too confused. You by get my lost own in the ideas. woods. It's very fun. I get uh, out in the weeds yeah, and I'm yeah. like, oh boy, Doug, I haven't too many damn ideas. <laughs> Uh, but he helps Ryan me is an idea tether. fucking machine. It's I'm amazing. out there. What's yeah, your yeah. What's your favorite idea that you've come up with? Is <laughs> I like a, <laughs> just give me like a idea. That was pretty good. Uh, give me a couple of concepts or something that you thought about. What about, what about a, uh, Are there any lines that you've enjoyed? I don't know. I okay. think that Wizzles being the the gambling <laughs> game that Murdoch plays. Uh, <laughs> your sound effect does make it. Yeah, well, you really just, gives it weight. You described but a gambling game called Wizzles. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I know what that sounds like. I just said, <laughs> I think I just wrote Wizzles, but yeah. I think that tickled me to Yeah, I think you. And I, well, it was it was like Ace of Wizzles as well. Ace you of were just Wizzles. like combining real Ace gambling. Of Wizzles. Oh, there's a line in the next one that takes that concept to the next level. What when they're describing all of what's available at the gambling place? Oh, the little gam- the little robot raconteur, yeah, the raconteur bot. Yeah, yeah, Oof. yeah, so good. <laughs> I whoever has to read that sorry <laughs> yeah I like to uh, I love the thing I love you know there's the classic uh, thing they say about uh, George Lucas's Star Trek scripts was that you can type the shit but you can't say it did you just say <laughs> wait wait did you just say George Lucas's Star Trek scripts no Star Wars Star Wars Star okay. Wars. yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah you can sorry, type it but you can't my read bad, it my bad my yeah. bad my bads uh <laughs> Uh, I'm like sorry. My, my uh, brain Jesse's crossed head and exploded. Just, uh, it turned green, yellow, and purple, and then back to normal. Uh, my nose is bleeding. I, don't uh, know I apologize about that. Um, uh, <laughs> You're good, baby. Where, 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 what was I saying? That you can you can write something that people can't read. Yeah, yeah uh, we do that so, a lot. So and, and also uh, uh, the the sort of Star Trek is classically known for their 
the techno babble. Right, yeah. right, right. Jordy, uh, yeah. This is like gambling techno babble. Yeah, I think that. <laughs> oh, cool. Even, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I love writing. What's an uh, example of, of gambling techno babble? Well, this I can't. Yeah, you could pull it up. Don't pull it up. Oh, okay. pull it up. Um, <laughs> pull it up. You guys keep talking. I'll but don't, I was saying, don't listen to him. But not pull just specifically the gambling stuff. I, Do you like I, that I deferred to him? Uh, I did. You I said like, this. You said that. And I was like, I'm going to defer to Ryan, my uh, writing partner. <laughs> then I remembered, I'm on Jesse's podcast. Yeah, you ah. can do whatever you want. Uh, I uh, I like writing real mouthfuls, and oh, me too. Uh, me too. and. To the point where people do stumble over them, mm-hmm. and that's kind of part of the joke. Yep. And uh, if you ever see, the, we do the shows live, if you ever see me uh, while someone's tackling, <laughs> who's not me is tackling yeah. one of those lines, I am just biting my finger. Yeah, yeah. Just you love dying. it so much. I, it's my favorite, because I know it's so hard. I'll write right. these just mouthful of science. Let me see Let me see if science. I can read one of Ryan's mouthful of science. Is this the rack and the, This is the rack and tour this bot. This is a excerpt from the, excerpt upcoming. From the upcoming. Oh, sneak peek. Yeah. Flight Space 7. Sound of a loud, jangling space casino. Rack and tour bot. Welcome, one and all, to the Tangerous Texas Roadhouse and Casino Hollow Suite Cluster, the premier entertainment hub in all the clusters. All proceeds are donated to the Tangerous Children's Hospital and Research Corporation. So gamble away and write those losses off for your conscience and your tax return. Try our latest game, Super Double Drop, where the winnings can be double quadded into ultra jackpots every other round. All of our lower stakes tables come with an ultra mode mod switch that allows the stakes and the excitement to double, triple, or quad loaded so that every player has the ability to customize their own excitement levels at any moment of play. <laughs> you, so you only stumbled over one, one. word. Not bad. But that's pretty good. Yeah. Ryan looks so happy yeah, when you stumbled it. over I, one word. Yeah. He just like lit up it was yeah. so funny it makes me yeah because yeah. it's it's built like a movie trap before. yeah it is <laughs> i love it yeah it's uh, the, that's another avenue ryan does like a, a, in my opinion the word saddle uh, word, word saddle salad? word salads and then these like elaborate traps mm, and oh uh, it's so good it's not i mean you're supposed to get through it but it's yeah. supposed to sound overly complicated yeah i yeah. love it I love it because here's one of the things that I like about uh, what we do with the radio LARP is when you listen to the episodes, you'll hear like two people talking ostensibly outside and then you'll hear the the ambient sound in the background of traffic. Yeah. Traffic going by and then these two people are talking, but then you're also hearing this like laughter because of the live show. Because we're yeah. still doing it live. Yeah. So it's, it's a layered live show plus After Effects. Yeah. And I kind of like that disassociation. Mm. Yeah, it's sort of a, it sort of lands in between. Because we've talked, we've talked a little bit about doing it without an audience. Right, just, just straight up. Really? Recorded. Yeah, because then it would be like, read that, read that again, read that again, be able to chop get it up, sew it takes. together. Yeah. Yeah. But I like... I like yeah. when they can't when they stumble yeah. through the words. Yeah. It tickles me. Yeah, I agree. And also, and having the audience there, I think it doesn't it informs the performances. Yeah. Even though we're still reading off yeah, the script. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Okay, friends, we're gonna pause right there. I'll bring you the rest of this conversation next week. If you'd like to check out Radio LARP, you can do so at radiolarp.com, radio L-A-R-P.com. You can follow Doug at Douglas W. Fail and Ryan at O'Ryan Casey on Twitter. 
Before I let you go, I have something special to share with you. Uh, I am going to play you a version of my new song, Lightspeed, on Harmonium. The first time I ever played this song for anybody was at a show at the Pocket Theater in Greenwood, and I performed it on the Harmonium with my little drum machine sitting on top of the Harmonium. I think I've played you stuff where I perform like that before, where the, the drum machine has just like a little tiny speaker on it, and if I'm playing in a, a live enough room, then I don't need any amplification. I can just sing and play and have the drum machine all together and, and it mixes kind of nicely with my voice. So uh, I'm going to play that for you right now so you can hear it. Uh, last time on the podcast, I played you a little bit of a work in progress of the new super synthy dance version of Lightspeed that I'm working on. And if you're one of my patrons, I actually emailed you the full song with my first stab at the vocal takes as a special thank you to following me. So I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you got that. If you're a patron and you didn't get that, please email me, sci-fi at jessemercury.com. So as a little special treat for you to end out this episode, here is a little performance of Lightspeed. And I'm going to put a little bit of reverb on my voice because uh, after Barton was here performing his stuff and I put reverb on, I'm like, yeah, it sounds good. I like it that way. So here we go.
us here They tell the strange tales of gods they fear Yeah, they believe it Roll off to the starry sky Make words with the cosmos I believe in this place that is only mine I gotta see it, gotta move